I used to work in Leeds and I had a friend who used to come here as well. Long time ago now, isn't it? Some of you who are young probably think, well, he's an old dude, 25 years ago. But you don't feel old. You just don't feel old. You still feel like a young man on the inside, even though I have gray hair. Still feel quite young. And it's an honor to come here and, and to speak to you. And I've been asked to speak on this theme of Jesus Prophet. Jesus Prophet. And um, in the reading that we read earlier, which the context for that was that this man had been healed at the gate on the way into the temple. And um, Peter, the disciple of Christ, took the opportunity to speak to them about Jesus Christ. And um, one of the things that he did was he reminded them, that Jewish audience, that in their Torah, in particular the book of Deuteronomy, there was a prophecy saying by Moses, God will raise up a prophet from among you. Like me, said Moses. And um, he then goes on to say, when God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And so what we see there is he's saying that that prophecy, we'll just have the prophecy up. Um, there it is, Deuteronomy 18. Um, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. And so the scriptures teach that Jesus is the fulfillment of that, prof of that promise, that there would be a prophet, not just a prophet, but the prophet. And uh, which leads me on to my next point, that people actually called him the prophet. Um, John six fourteen. after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. John 7, verse 40, on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Now we know that Jesus came as many different things, didn't he? He came as a wonder worker, a miracle worker. He came as a teacher and a rabbi. He came as a servant. And there are lots of other things that we could say about Christ. Theologians refer to the offices of Christ as prophet, priest, and king. But we're thinking today of Jesus as the prophet. Um, and people had that expectation that this great man, this great man of God would arise, who would have a hotline to God the way that Moses did. He would do amazing wonders the way that Moses did through God. And he would be God's 
spokesman. And in fact, my next point, Jesus called himself a prophet. Mark 6, verse 4, a prophet is not without honor, said Jesus, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. So we see Christ there referring to himself as a prophet. I think his chosen title, as he referred to himself, was not that of an office, but it was the Son of Man. That's how he referred to himself. Son of Man has a dual meaning in the places like the book of Ezekiel. Son of Man can just refer to a human being, an ordinary man, but it can also refer, as we see in the book of Daniel, a divine being, one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. I think Jesus deliberately chose that title, so he never referred to himself as the prophet Jesus, but he did acknowledge himself as having the mantle of a prophet, and it tells us in Luke 13, 33, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. So we can see clearly there from the words of an apostle, the prophecy of a, of a, a patriarch, and the words of Jesus Christ himself, that our Messiah, Jesus, had the mantle of a prophet, a man of God, a man with a hotline to God, a man who spoke the words of God, and a man who did the deeds of God. And I want to just look briefly at some of the things that he prophesied some of the things that he prophesied. Bit of a Bible study, I suppose, this today. When you're given a theme, you try to look into Scripture. One could say a lot of things about this, but I've just picked out a few of the ways that Jesus prophesied things. Um, again, just cherry-picking a few things, really, but in Matthew 26... We see Christ predicting and prophesying. And uh, he says, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. Jesus sees beyond our facades, doesn't he? Jesus sees our motives. Jesus sees our intentions, doesn't he? Christ knows us, and he knew this man. It always amazes me that Jesus not only tolerated Judas, but he even sent Ju Judas out to cast out demons and heal the sick and, and manage the money as well, when clearly he had a bit of a, a weakness for um, money, didn't he? says he used to dip his hand in the the bag and take money for himself and finally it was money that um, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver but Jesus prophesies and says that man 
who's dipping his hand in the dish will betray me. He he predicted the betrayal of Judas. He also predicted the denial. He prophesied the denial by Peter in chapter 26 of Matthew and verse 35. Um, Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Um, Actually, I've jumped ahead of verse there, haven't I? I should have read verse 34. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Jesus can see that Peter's resolve is not as firm as he thought it was. That's a message for us, isn't it? Sometimes we're determined and we think we can handle things, but the Lord knows we're weak. We rely on him. We need him, don't we? We need Jesus to keep us, to protect us, to empower us, to presence himself with us. Unlike Peter, he was sure of himself, but Christ predicted and prophesied, you will betray me, you will deny that you even know me. Jesus prophesied his death and resurrection in Matthew 17. There's an example of that. He tells it three times. He tells them, pin back your ears, listen carefully. The son of man is going to be betrayed and handed over and tried and executed, but he will rise again on the third day. Jesus prophesied this, Matthew 17, 22. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. And it's, he says a similar thing three times in the Gospel of Matthew. He predicted and prophesied his own death and resurrection. Let's just go to John 15. In John chapter 15, Christ prophesied the coming of the Spirit, and I'm glad he did. Christianity without the power and presence of the Spirit of God is incomplete. And I find that a number of people I've met over many years can believe the stuff, believe the message, but not experience the reality of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. And Jesus said that would come, that day would come when he would send another comforter. John 15, just one example there. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. The Spirit of God was promised. Jesus prophesied his coming. Let me challenge you this morning. 
Have you had fellowship with the Holy Spirit recently? Have you had the joy of the Lord on the inside of you recently? Have you had the presence and power of God that Jesus promised? We're not just to commemorate the words of a dead prophet. We experience the spirit of a living savior, isn't that right? Do I get an amen this morning? <laughs> I hope so. We live with and enjoy the presence of the one who was prophesied and he came and he stayed and he is available and he is willing to fill our lives. If we hope to be used by the spirit of God, one of the things we need to make sure about is that we live in a clean life. We live in a Christ-centered life. Just as Jesus could see the heart of Judas and he could see the heart of Peter, Jesus knows our hearts and he's looking for a transparency. He's looking for a humility. He's looking for faith, isn't he? He's looking for a childlike trust. I think it's in Isaiah 66. This is the man to whom I will look, or woman. Those who were of a humble and contrite spirit and tremble at my word. Are you willing and desiring to be used by the Spirit of God to be a messenger of Jesus Christ? Well then, he calls you to holiness, doesn't he? He calls us all to holiness because, I mean, I was blessed, I guess. I was saved out of the occult and drugs back in the 80s when it was all the New Age movement and mysticism and magic and all kinds of weirdness. And a lot of my colleagues were unemployed, just like me, and we used to sit and play crazy music together, me on the bass, them on acoustic guitar and stuff like that. And then Jesus showed up in my life, totally out of the blue. He met me on a foggy night in February 1985 near a woodland in Bradford and began to show me, you're in a mess. Your life is going toward destruction. He began to show me that. He began to show me there's a God who knows all about you. God understands you precisely. He knows where you've come from, where you are now, and where you're going. And what's more, he cares about you. And the Holy Spirit, from that moment, began to speak to me. And within two days, I was sitting in an evangelical church on a council estate in Bradford. And the Lord himself began to really speak to me as the pastor got the word of God out and showed me that I need to hear the gospel and that night, cutting a long story short, the Spirit of God entered into my life. I think he pushed out some demons, actually. Some of you might not believe there's anything demonic, but when you've unwittingly been asking spirits to get a hold of your life, they will oblige. They will oblige. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ came into my life and drove out the darkness and set me free from the bondage and so there was a definite from day one, because I'm not a person who would promote the idea of a second blessing. I think within the gospel, we are to repent 
Believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. That's the package that God offers to us. That's the message we must share. I often think of it like this. Before I was married, I lived on my own in a flat in Bradford, and it was quite a cold place. Couldn't really afford the heating. But when I got married, a lady moved in with me, my wife. We've now been together 36 years, just had our wedding anniversary. But she moved in with me into the flat. I was no longer alone in that place. Well, before we become a Christian, we are alone in our body, aren't we? There's me, there's you on your own inside that body, unless you've invited some other spirit to kind of, you know, occupy your life. I don't think there's anybody here like that this morning. But when we become a believer, the spirit of Jesus Christ moves in so you're no longer alone on the inside of your house. There is you and there is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And I think these promises of Jesus are crucial to us if we're going to be fruitful If we're going to be useful, we need the fullness of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Would you agree with that? The key to the success of this church in the future is the power of God. It's not our cleverness, our ability to organize, our ability to be friendly. I mean, some of those things are all important, but the key to its future and my future and our future as a church over at Barnoldswick is the power of God, the spirit of God and us being willing to live Christ-centered lives, godly lives, clean lives, resisting our sins, resisting the default personality issues that we have, the default preferences, the flesh, the Bible calls it. Sometimes we're tempted to just do what we've always done. But the Spirit of God is leading us in a different direction, isn't he? And this prophecy that Jesus gave tells us he will come, he will be a comforter. I just want to encourage you guys this morning to welcome the Spirit of God into your life in a fresh way this Christmas. He wants to come. I would love to see a revival. I mean, there's lots of talk over many years. There's been talk of revivals. And at the moment, we seem to be in a day of small things. We seem to be in days of decline, don't we? But uh, God is still the God who sends his spirit. God is still the one who works by the power of his Holy Spirit. I thought I should dwell on that. I thought I should just reinforce that promise of Jesus for us personally, that he will send the comforter to us and he will bless us with his power. Um, The fifth thing I've got here that Jesus prophesied was the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, As prophets in the Old Testament, several of them, Um, were given a similar message that the religious system that they were in would all be pulled down. The city where they were living would be captured. The people that lived in the city would be carted off to another nation. And Jesus, in the line of some of those prophets, does prophesy that Jerusalem's fate is not a good one. 
They were allowed 40 years, weren't they, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. It was roughly about 40 years. And then AD 70, the Roman army came and Jerusalem was reduced to rubble. It was renamed. Jews were scattered. There was no longer any temple and sacrifice-based Judaism. They had to develop a new way of being Jews, which was rabbinic Judaism. But Jesus says in Luke 21, 20, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. I think that is a reference Jesus is referring there to the Roman destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And then finally, finally, Jesus prophesied his own return in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and verse 30. Matthew 24, 30 states, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great Glory. Jesus prophesies he will come back. I mean, it's been a long delay, hasn't it? Getting on for 2,000 years in the, in the year 2033, roughly. I know there's Roman amendments of the calendar, but let's say, for argument's sake, 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus will take us to about 2033. And the apostles wouldn't have imagined we'd survive that long on planet Earth without the return of Jesus. In fact, I think the apostle Paul, he expected the soon return of Jesus until finally he knew his days were numbered. And then he said, didn't he? The time of my departure has come. Prior to that, it was, we who are left, we who are left will meet the Lord. But then his execution was imminent and he knew he wasn't to be standing on planet Earth when Jesus returned. He would come back with the Lord. Are you expecting the return of Jesus? Well, Jesus predicted it and prophesied and it will come. It will come, I don't know when, next year, 10 years, 100 years, I don't know. But we are to live in the light of his return. So we've thought about Jesus the prophet, he was predicted as the prophet who would come. People called him the prophet. Jesus called himself a prophet. Jesus prophesied many things. But as I come to a close... Jesus was so much more than a prophet. We have to come to this. He's not merely a prophet in the line of the others. He had the mantle of a prophet. But Jesus went a lot further than the prophets. The prophets generally said, thus says the Lord. But Jesus could say, I say to you, I say to you. 
It was the Lord himself in the form of a human being speaking from heaven direct. And we're told in Hebrews chapter 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So Jesus is more than a prophet. He is your God. Jesus is your saviour. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is the king of heaven who has graced this planet with his own presence. He's stood here and moved around here and he will return here. God's own son is our great prophet, but more than a prophet, a savior. Let me ask you this morning, have you, I know some of you attempted to switch off, I know it's church and but let me just seriously challenge you this morning. Have you really considered a relationship with Jesus? Have you considered he is your creator? He is your maker. He is the savior. He is the one that can set us free from all the things that our hard work won't set us free from. He's the one who can deal with all of our sorrows. He's the one that can replace our worries with peace. He's the one that can change our dread of the future into faith and salvation. Jesus Christ, God's own son. Have you come to know him? Have you trusted him? Have you encountered him? Have you begun a new life with God's son on the inside? The Bible tells us that we have Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have you welcomed Jesus in? Have you, have you admitted, I'm a fallen person. I'm somebody who falls short of the glory of God. I'm someone who cannot work my way to paradise. Within the Islamic faith, there is the idea that your good deeds are being documented and your bad deeds are being documented recording angel, one on the left, one on the right. And that hopefully your good deeds will outweigh your bad ones. Well, you need to scrap that idea. None of us are good enough. All have sinned. Romans chapter 3 tells us, since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they are justified by his grace. By faith in Christ. That's the standard God is looking for. Not good behavior. Although he wants us to have good behavior. But what God is looking for is faith in Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, you will be justified. That means God will accept you. God will count you as being as good as Jesus. Hard to believe, isn't it? But as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then God accepts you into his kingdom. Do you remember the man who um, recognized Jesus while he was on the cross with him? There were two thieves on the cross and one of them said, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognized who Christ was. He was the king of a kingdom. And Jesus said to him, this day you shall be with me in paradise. The man didn't have a chance to justify himself by doing good things. He was nailed there on the cross. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't do anything with his hands and feet. But what he could do was put his trust in God's own son and become a believer. That's the basic message. And then we go on, don't we? We go on to serve the Lord. We go on to serve him, to do his works. But we must put our trust in him. I wanted to just give that opportunity this morning. If you haven't yet found Christ, well then speak with him. Ask him. Talk to him. Believe in him. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Jesus, who is more than a prophet, he is the saviour of the world. We've come to the end of my message now and um, we're going to sing.